and welcome to Through the Pinard, your conversational podcast talking to midwives around the world about the research they are doing to improve midwifery practice. This research can range from small quality improvement programs and projects to those starting partway through or just finishing their postgraduate studies and to those that have been there, done that and got the t-shirt. So settle back and enjoy the conversation. And remember, you can continue the conversation on Twitter after you finish listening. Hi, this is Academic Liz, and this is a little bit of a different episode because I've just spent the last few days at the Best Start to Life, a national gathering in Alice Springs, utilising the RISE framework to implement birthing services for First Nations families. And I just felt so, my brain is still buzzing as you'll know going to a conference. And this is my first real live conference, person-to-person conference since 2019. So it was made that extra little bit special. And of course, it's hot. So if any noises are coming on backwards and forwards, it's probably my air conditioner in my hotel room where I'm recording this. So I wanted to give you a little bit of a rundown. Some things I couldn't go to because of mobility issues, such as the women's only Welcome to Country at Jessie's Gap, which is a beautiful piece of the countryside. Um, but we did have a special screening of Jackamere, which is about Indigenous women who are caretakers for pregnant women. And the film is absolutely worth seeing if you can get a hold of it. I'll put the links to the film in the um, below in the Twitter feed. And you can hire it or you can showcase it. And it was really beautiful. One of the, the take-home messages is about working with community and the importance of getting to know people first and building that trust and then working out what the community actually needs and then how you work together. Um, and I think it's a film that definitely every Australian midwifery student um, and midwife, I think, needs to see, especially if they're dealing with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, women in their birthing. And we saw that Under the Stars um, in an outdoor movie theatre which was just glorious because it was just a beautiful night. So the days are a little bit hot, but the nights are stunning. So day on Tuesday, the conference actually started and we had the co-directors of the Molly, um, and I've got to get this right because I always produce this wrong, Wadagooga um, Centre, and she was a leading Aboriginal elder and midwife And we had some really fascinating opening addresses and looking at the state of play and where we are and looking at the RISE framework, which stands for Redesign, Invest, Strengthen um, and Embed. And in this case, they're kind of looking at redesigning birthing services, investing in the workforce, strengthening family capacities and embedding community control And they were the four themes and we had presentations that addressed to them on each day, going through them and then pulling it all together. We also had the talk of where the past has been and where we've come. And 10 years ago, there was a Birthing on Country conference up here in Alice Springs. And it's been really interesting that they walked away from that and Birthing on Country was a term, the work that's been done around that. And there is a website on Birthing on Country, which I will also connect, 
there is so many amazing programs that have been going on and that was something that kind of came out of this last two days for me was that so much work has been done um, and there was the comments that Indigenous women have been doing this for thousands of years. They've been birthing for thousands of years. They've been looking after their communities and it's been the research, the formalised research over the last couple of decades um, that have shown that, yes, they do know how they're doing and they're actually reducing the premature birth rates, they're reducing the low birth weights by connecting with family, connecting with the issues and dealing with the social determinants. And that came across on so many um, different places and different um, healthcare centres and in different parts of the country. And I think I spoke to every person from every state. We also had some rather shocking um, statistics thrown at us, but we also had some really uplifting and positive emotions and I think that's the thing I'm still dealing with now that the the biggest statistic that came out of this morning was that 99% of the speakers at this conference were First Nation women and what men um, who spoke and so that is just mind-blowing because we're actually hearing from the experts from their lived voices where, but there's a lot of people who are working in in companionship, and I think that was the other great visual that came out was we're not, we don't want anyone to walk in anyone else's footsteps. We want to walk together. We want to walk in partnership, and it is that partnership of knowing what our skills are and how we can use the skills that each other's got to design, to redesign, to construct a healthcare system, let's face it, that's ultimately what we're wanting, that is going to address culture, that is going to be safe on all levels, that is also going to be able to work within the needs of the women who address it. So we've had some wonderful, and I'll put the link to the conference so you can have a look at the program as well. We had some wonderful kind of communication from people looking through it um, and some of the programs, so one's BIOC, which is Birthing in Our Country, and it's Queensland, and they connect with women who come in, they get connected with a family support worker for three years, they follow them through for the three years, they have a named midwife for pregnancy through to six weeks, but it's about bringing in all those other social determinants of health. So they've got transport there, they've got social work there, they link them with social work if necessary, with perinatal mental health necessary, with a community of women, with aunties. They can connect up with people, follow through the bloodlines and songlines. They do parenting classes, cooking, nutrition. They've got physical fitness there with physiotherapy and allied health. And some of the amazing things is that in the non-Indigenous group of women who go through, they've got a 17% preterm rate, but in the Indigenous women who are in this program, it's down to 5%. And their low birth weight went from something to 24% down to 13%. So these statistics are actually showing that this care is needed, that the community care is there because it's addressing it and it's privileging their voices. It's not silencing the women. It is revitalising the culture and the language that are in these areas and that's another one we're kind of looking at the um, other birthing on country areas as well. Um, and I must admit I kind of, I'm now a complete fangirl of Melanie Briggs She's just, mind you, the power that came out of everyone as well, Ceylon, and so many of the 
women that were there locally but also from Arnhem Land. It was just, I must admit, I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve quite often and I was choking back tears quite a few times with the power and the positiveness that was there. Galawinka, who, if you see the Drachomir film, will be very familiar. Um, and they talked about where the salt water meets the fresh water and that mixing the turbulence is for changing and that walking alongside and not underneath is really critical in the co-designing. Um, and that we've got, currently we have about 350 um, Indigenous midwives in Australia and I think about 30 of them were at this conference. It was brilliant to see such a huge group. Um, but we actually need um, over 900 to address the issue for every Indigenous woman um, to have an Indigenous midwife. Um, and the other thing that kind of came up and was that because Australia was never kind of ceded, there's been no treaty, that all of Australia is actually sovereign land and therefore birthing on country, the concept of birthing on country doesn't necessarily mean in out under a tree, though it can, if that's what it wants for that person, it's about where they feel safe. And that could be under a tree, it could be in a hut, it could be in a birthing centre, it could be in a local clinic. But it's about understanding and recognising that that difference is actually there. And so we know that we have a great need to keep midwifery students into the program. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we're concerned about is that a lot of midwifery students, Indigenous midwifery students are starting but they're not finishing because of feeling culturally unsafe, because of going on placement and feeling culturally unsafe, because of the racism that is actually within our system. And it's finding, and I know from me as an academic, I'm limited in what I can do for clinical changes but I can make a change in my little area that I work um, with the Indigenous students that are in there now and also in the future and, and working with our Indigenous midwives that we teach to help support and mentor them. And it is finding where your strengths are and coming through. And I think that's one of the biggest things that comes out of it. Also looking at some of the, the um, redesigning of the services. So one of the services that I didn't get to go because it was limited numbers, but there's a service here um, Alakura that is in Northern Territory that has been designed, it's taken like 14 years from consultation and talking and working around all the different groups around the area and talking about how they want it to work and using grandmother's law. And so this is L-O-R-E in this case. And so they've developed a women's only centre that what their community needs. And that works really well because, once again, it's that safe space because when you're looking at safe space for birthing, so many of the aunties and the mothers and the grandmothers were traumatised with their birth or were part of the stolen generation. And we think that the stolen generation has actually now finished when 39% of children in care are actually Indigenous children. And so we still have this almost stolen generation that's still happening now. And the Western system doesn't necessarily work with the cultural needs and the cultural safety. But we do know because of these programs, and a lot of them were presented and gone into detail today in the second day of the conference and talked about how they did it, that there are ways. But it's a very much a redesigning 
of the system. Um, and when we talk to Gullawinku, which is right up north in Arnhem Land, so northern Queensland, and we're kind of talking with professionals that come in and you've got remote areas, you get professionals that come in, they come in for six hours, they've got to do all these appointments, um, and then they fly out again. Um, and one of the, the women who goes up there, and I think it was a speech pathologist, Emily, said she's never gone up there for less than three weeks at a time. You have to have the respect. Time is different. You need to get to know people. They need to get to know you and what you're coming from. And that is time. That is trust. That is that building process that is necessary, which doesn't work in a Western system. So having to redesign it is going to take some really quite courageous people, and we have them. We have some strong, deadly women who are fired up and we have some absolutely strong and deadly non-Indigenous women who are there standing with them to help support to change these systems. And it was really the kind of looking at what's already out there and looking at where Cats and Am are working in, and they're very much related to the investing in the workforce. So how do we get it? There are a lot of people who do the cultural safety programs and just kind of tick it off and don't really take it the next step and implement it. And this is where we're coming through is we've got a lot of kind of clear racism within the systems and it's not understanding what it's coming through and it's decolonising the healthcare system, which is going to be the big challenge over the next decade, as well as decolonising the education system and looking it through. So if somebody hasn't got transport, they get sent a taxi voucher and we know that taxis are kind of pulled up and I've seen a group of people standing there just waiting and then they've not picked them up. They haven't gone. Someone's been sick in the family. They haven't been able to catch the taxi because they were delayed and the taxi didn't wait. They get marked as a non-attender. They get marked as non-compliant. And then from the non-compliant, that kind of happens maybe a couple of times and then the trust is broken and they don't want to go back because they don't feel safe. And then it's process of they're labelled and then they're kind of, they're kind of put in as a difficult woman after that. These are the things we need to understand. We need to stop this. We need to be able to put in services and this is where having Aboriginal health workers, having kind of family, Aboriginal family liaisons where they have a companion, that there is someone with them because traditionally they will not give birth alone. It is the mothers, it is the aunties, it is the grandmothers. So that's really important to acknowledge that it's not a matter of them coming in by themselves. And especially if they've got medical conditions, is they may have been down in lands that's not their country, and so they're isolated. And so that affects mental health going through as well. There is so much coming through and looking at the trauma-informed care and looking at the way that the body becomes during trauma, especially early trauma. We know that it reacts a lot faster, the brain reacts a lot faster to, to stress than it does to other stimuli. And we're wanting to have solution-focused. And a lot of the time, we actually, the women will know where they can get support from or who's actually someone that they can feel safe to. And one of the um, apps that was a workshop that I went to was called Baby Coming You Ready. So this is Western Australia. And they've got this app they've developed. Once again, it's been all with community. It's come from community. It, we got a little bit of a trial of it and it was fabulous to use because they used a combination of pictures that could be easily swapped for different um, communities and it actually went through. So it was done on an iPad 
but it meant that the woman could engage in it at a time when it was safe for her, that it what didn't have to be audio. So depending on who she was with, she could tick faces if she felt safe, if she didn't want to say anything. And then that worked in the background to give information to the clinician of red, kind of orange or green flags, but it also kind of helped with finding the strengths of the women. So what is she doing really well in? What what is she managing at the moment? What are things that she needs a bit of help in? Um, And what are things that she's really struggling in? So a lot of the focus is on strength-based, and I think that's something that we're missing because we come from a very much a deficit-based situation, especially within the Western healthcare Um, And that also comes to our curriculum in education, also can come from a deficit basis as well. Um, And so one of the things that was really important was that at the end of this session, as in this conference, was a roadmap going forward. And to actually, the sense of urgency was definitely there and to put something forward. And so we had an opportunity to put all of us, so there was 260 delegates at the conference, And so it's a chance for all of us to actually put up our sayings for where we thought we had solutions or ideas for the RISE um, framework within all the four different elements of redesign, implement, um, and I'm going to forget them again, strengthen and embedding, and then how we could do this and and where we could be a part of that. And so that started, and we had a, a framework, we had the start of a really good discussion so there was obviously the conference dinner last night and some people danced quite a while. But it was looking at where do we go from here and how do we go forward. And, like, the power in the room is really hard to explain. I've got far less notes from today because it was about listening. It was about being present and taking in the information that was actually there. And when we're looking at what people are doing and where we can go through, like the things of listening to supposed experts but not those with a lived experience sticks to my mind, that we need to have positive professional solution-based relationships and that's going to help us kind of going through that if we sit and listen and we can understand each other and find solutions because we're going to be looking at something we think is a problem, but somebody else may not think is a problem. There's something else that's a problem that's more important than that. I'm hoping that it's not another 10 years before we get a chance to get together again. There's a lot of movement happening. A lot of it does come down to funding, obviously, in how to get through that. There was um, some amazing people there from chief nursing officers to CEOs from different organisations If you go to the Molly Centre Twitter page, they did a whole pile of photos. It's looking at what we can do and working within our scope of practice as midwives and in particular as endorsed midwives was a big topic of conversation. Um, And I must admit, I, I feel very privileged as well because I got the chance to meet and sit and chat quite often with um, Leslie Barclay and got to hear some of her amazing um, knowledge and experiences and the conversations we had around different tables and different groups with people representing different organisations, including the Prime Minister's office, and sitting there and talking to them and going, well, yep, this is what the problem is, and reminding them that every woman needs a midwife but some do need a doctor, 
but we can actually do a lot more within our scope of practice and what we're doing. And we need to find a way that we can work to the full of our scope of practice within Australia. Um, and how do we maximise that? And what are the boundaries and the barriers for that as well? My first conference, I think I was in grade 10 or grade 11, and I flew over with the United Nations Youth Association to Perth. Um, and that was my first taste of conferencing, and I loved it. I love the exchange of ideas. I love meeting people and kind of talking about what they're doing and being gobsmacked from the energy. I love coming home with a 1,000 points and only being able to implement maybe two or three, but those two or three can actually make a difference. And it is working out where you fit within the big circle of things and going that, you know what, there's a massive big garden out here. In fact, out here there's a massive big desert. And I can only play in one little part of it and I'm going to try and do that as well as what I can do. And that will eventually make a difference, especially with educating of students to get them to make the difference in the future and to keep holding and to recognise their own bias and racism in particular. If I have made a mistake in any of these statistics, then I apologise and will blame my poor handwriting. Um, but you'll be able to see within the program of the conference, the best people to connect to, to get the correct um, information. Thank you for joining us today. You'll find all the links on Twitter, Instagram, and on the podcast website. If you are a midwife and you would like to share your research, your postgraduate studies, or even the quality improvement projects you are doing now, then email me at throughthepinard at gmail.com. Send me a tweet or send me a DM.